such a blessing to be in the household of faith and to hear testimonies one from another. And um, we really know a plea for prayer too, to remember each other in prayer during the week. So, yes, uh, that song that we just sang, amazing, very good truth in the song that we will stand for, for faith and righteousness. In all that we're doing, in all that we're trying to get done, I guess the title is, is fitting, Sowing and Reaping. Sometimes we don't know how much sowing is actually working and what's getting accomplished, but we know that we need to um, keep doing, keep worshiping God and, and witnessing and testifying and shoring one another up, praying in the morning, praying in the evening, praying all the time for, for our brothers and sisters in the faith. I want to just talk about the reaping and sowing uh, through some of the scriptures, but I've added, it's like using a skeleton and then adding things. <laughs> but um, the verse in Psalm 126, verse 5, I'm going to take it apart in five faces or thereabouts. And um, the first part says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. That is sad when you think of that we're there. We're amongst that. Um, when the brethren were new in, in a book of Acts and they came back and they told what had happened to them and they worshiped together, they fellowshiped together, they sang together, they praised to each other and they said, you know what? We were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus Christ. Whoa, we haven't done that much but we know that times are changing times are coming when uh, that'll happen again when they were put in prison they sang another reason for them to say I've suffered for the cause of Christ all Christians should desire to be better workers for the Lord it'll probably show up in things like the preparing for the um, life as a Christian and how to serve the Heavenly Father. What's, what's it all about? What do we need to be doing? Preparing for it. The planting. Sometimes this parable I'm going to talk about today also includes the soil. And you can look at it as a parable about the soil in one context, in one book, or in another one about talents and so on in different places where you look. Well, we need to be preparing ourselves and preparing our people that are around us, our families and so on, preparing for what, whatever could come. Especially if it comes to planting. We think about the churches that have started and we know that the scripture says that, that some are falling away, the time people will fall away when it comes to the end. And you say, oh, I hope that's not in my era, not in my time frame. I don't want to see people falling away. And yet it's happening all the time. I think back 60, 70 years ago, maybe there wasn't so much falling away. It seemed like they were gathering in. There's more people coming in. And then in my era, within the last 10 years, you start hearing about churches that are closing. Where did those faithful people go? What happened? Where are the children? Where are the grandchildren? The great-grandchildren? You know, what, what happened? The church is closing. 
And along came this disease, this plague, and more churches were closing. The big church down the street here, the huge parking lot, used to be full of cars. And now you could turn an 18-wheeler in there during church service. Wow. Yes, there's a falling away before Christ returns. So we need to be doing the planting, trying to keep the growth going and the produce coming, the growth uh, of more people, more people being saved and coming to Christ, more witnessing, more testifying. Then we also have a situation of uh, presenting. Uh, I thought about the, the sheaf, and they used to wave the sheaf before the Lord, and then they had to be part of a ceremony, waving the sheaf. Well, you don't get the sheaf unless you, unless you plant the grain. The grain won't grow unless the soil is correct, or the water is correct, and so on. Um, there's a lot of preparing, a lot of other things happening before that time frame comes. So if you'll go with me through some of these uh, scripture texts, I've got some on the computer and some in paper. And, and um, oh, I thought that I said something there that <laughs> needed to be corrected. Um, preparing. That same scripture in Psalm 126, verse 6, uh, in that chapter and, and uh, the words that, that are there, that he that goeth forth and weepeth, you're sad about what's in the world, what's around us, what's the problem is happening, but it's okay. We need to be praying for one another. We need to, need to be supporting one another, uh, be really concerned, serious about what's going on around us. So that's in Psalm 126, verse 6. Many Christians do not make proper preparation for accomplishing God's work. They rely on their own sufficiency and power and fail. If we do it, try to do it on our own, it's likely to crash. Unless somewhere along the way we turn to God and say, I understand I can't do this alone. I'm overwhelmed. I'm, um, there's too much um, happening that I need to take care of. We can see this parable of Jesus in, in Mark chapter 4, and the whole chapter really. So I'm going to take the Bible, and let's take a look at, at this chapter. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to speak through part of it, and part of it do word-for-word word reading. I like to tell the story maybe than, than reading it. I do enjoy, really love the uh, scripture on CDs and other forms where you can just follow along and, and it reads all those special words. A little bit difficult for me in many places. But here in chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, starting with the verse, Jesus was teaching by the seaside and there was quite a gathering, a multitude of people. And then you hear that Jesus was on, on the boat, and the language there is a little bit difficult to read, but he was on the boat, and the boat was on the water, and he sat down in the boat on the water, okay? And uh, the people were on the shore. And you think, well, this is kind of strange, but 
the, the person speaking needs to be back a little from his audience so more people can hear and see what's happening around. Well, that's okay. But you know what? That water is like an amplifier. The sound carries across the water. If you go to a lake and you listen to the people on the far side, you can hear about every word they say because the water carries the sound across. So this was a perfect situation for Jesus to be in, in that position, in that spot, so that the multitude would be able to hear. In verse 2, it says that they were listening to his parables that he was teaching, and, uh, and unto them he was, he was talking in his doctrine. Wow. Nowadays, most churches don't want you to say that word. Don't use the word doctrine. And, and here it is, in a common use situation, what he was speaking was a doctrinal type of statement. You could read the book of Genesis and it's all doctrine. Okay, There is a lot of doctrine in the scripture as to how you look at something, how you understand something. So the people were watching and listening for this doctrine. And then to get their attention in verse 3, he spoke out, I would imagine. It's in red letters, but he probably said, hearken. And the people said, say what? <laughs> What's going to happen now? And then he started to speak to them. Behold, there went out to sow a, a sower to sow. The man, the word for us, we don't, we don't reckon it as easy as if you were on a small acreage where you sowed the seed by hand, throwing it. I, I did. Our farm was five acres. <laughs> there was times when I needed to sow by hand, just throwing it out on the ground. And then you had to use a, a device like a rake, harrow, to drag it across the field so that it would uh, stir up the soil to help the plant get started. So this man is spreading the seed. In verse uh, uh, 4, I maybe have to watch for it here just a little bit. Where'd he go? Uh, a little further down, I guess. The, the one specific word that I wanted. Went out to sow. Okay, let's start in verse 4. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. The wayside would have been the paths in the field where you'd walk and you don't expect growth there because you're going to have to run machinery back and forth or something. Maybe a place where there's water wheels and sprinkler system and those big wheels go all the way around. Usually where the tread rolls to take that watering system around is poor, poor possibility of progress and pr product because the wheel has to run over it every day or whatever. So there's paths. And so some fell on this path and uh, on the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and they said, well, look, it's just laying out there for us to eat and they help themselves. And some fell on stony ground. There's always some of this too where your roadbed is or your, your, uh, you put gravel in so that you're, you're going to be able to travel on. Well, their, their land, if you look, in, uh, look up Israel and look up what it looks like, and there's a lot of stones, a lot of gravelly stuff. So some seed fell in the stony ground where it had not much earth and immediately it sprang up. It, it was happy to be there. It said there's some dirt here, I guess, and there's something here to grow on. I'm not getting stomped on. But because it had no depth of earth, that's sad. We, we need an explanation of that. No, Jesus is going to give that in just a moment, right? Okay. But when the 
sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. Sad. Then you start saying, this story has got more to it. We need some depth. We need some understanding. That also is said in here. We need the depth. There's a reason for this story to be the way it is. We're going to be talking about people. This is a parable. It's about another subject that's told in a way that we can grasp. When Jesus talked about the animals, about the sheep and the lost sheep and so on, those people knew what he was talking about because they had a lot of animals in their country, a lot of sheep and so on. They could relate very easily. So here the, this grain that was thrown down, the seed that was thrown, it tried to grow, but it just got scorched. And then in verse and some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit or no produce, no end result. It couldn't, couldn't happen. It was too many thorns and things. And where I lived, we had various kinds of stuff that would grow up as weeds. We had those um, fiddlehead ferns. Love them. And uh, we also had Boston ferns that grew wild. But they would shade the plants and you're chopping out that weed and, and you'd be chopping out your, your seeds and your good plant that you wanted to save that was going to give you the crop. You're chopping them out too. Sad. So there was no fruit here. Verse 8, And other fell on good ground and yielded fruit or produce that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100. There seems like a word missing, but there's another place where it calls it the fold. So many have folds, this fold, so many fold. But also you know that if you talk to a farmer about wheat and they want to know how many bushels to the acre, okay, and the higher the bushels to the acre, the more crop there is, the more produce there is, the more money there is, uh, more viable business. Um, they know what they're talking about and we wonder, well, what's a bushel? <laughs> okay, and bushels to the acre. And here's nine, verse nine. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. That is saying, think this over. Let this go deeper than just surface story. The surface story, you can say, I'm sorry, the guy got his crop in the wrong place or he got his soil from the wrong place. He inherited the land that was poor. You're missing the point. This story has a different meaning. Okay, what happens then? Verse... uh, where were we? Uh, verse 10. And when he was alone, and he wasn't alone, we talked about that in Sabbath school, he had others here. They that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. Got to decipher this a little bit. So Jesus had the twelve, obviously, that were learning from him. They were around him all the time. Then there was the ladies and the other people that traveled with him, the, the close family type connections that might have been there. They were with him. But there was also others that were very concerned and wanted to get deeper into the knowledge of what Jesus was teaching. They were close in to him. And uh, and so they asked about the parable. They're they're wanting to know what this parable is really about. So in verse 11, 
And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. There were some here at this point that were not supposed to gain the knowledge. It just wouldn't happen. You know why? If they'd really got the picture, they would have made him king. Spoil the whole plan of God. He was the Messiah. He was the lamb that was to die for mankind. You, you can't shortchange the story. So it's good for them to not know now. But you know, on the day of Pentecost, when they started preaching, there's 5,000 came to the Lord and, and were baptized and people started joining the church every day. And that's when these people knew what Jesus had talked about. That's when they got the picture. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 12, that seeing they may not may see and not perceive. They're seeing what the story is. They understand wheat, they send, but they're not understanding the depth of this message. And hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted. Whoa, that sounds difficult. And their sins should be forgiven them. This was too early in their story. Sometimes people need to grow first. They need to gain this knowledge and gain this knowledge and add to this and add to that and add to that so that they become a whole human being with all the properties that are needed. They become Christ-like. Well, after Christ died and the disciples took it over, that piece in between didn't have to be there the same way. They first started by pre preaching to Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria and so those people knew about the Heavenly Father. You could lay it on hard and they would accept it and they would take the message and run with it. People were just amazing how many were coming to the Lord per day. This was a fantastic reach. And then he said, after you've covered all of this, Jesus said, after that, then go to the whole world, which was how it, how it did work, how they went out. When you preach to a Gentile in Greece, the story had to be told a little different. <laughs> They didn't know about one God. They knew about many gods and they were afraid of them all. You mean there's one God and he's a good God? They had to be told a different story. Okay, verse 13. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? Can't, can't believe you, you're, you're not catching it. And how then will ye know all, uh, know all parables? How will ye know all parables? There's something about this story. When I read that too, I had to read it a couple of times to myself and say, you mean to say that if I know this parable and get the depth of it, it'll help me understand all the other parables? That's what it just said. There's something deep about this parable and how Jesus handled it. Okay, the next one, he's going to tell about it now. This, the sower soweth the word not grain, not wheat, not oats and barley and so on that they had. He's talking about this is the Word of God. The sower is sowing the Word of God. And who's doing that right now? Himself. In this story, that's Christ. He's sowing this Word of God. Okay, let's keep going. And these are they by the wayside. So he's going to tell the who's who now where the word is sown. But 
But when they have heard what happens, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that it was sown in their hearts. The word that was sown in their hearts, you're waiting for it to take root, you're taking it to grow, you're waiting for them to do something, and Satan's right there snatching it up, killing it. Verse 16, and these, what's this other part of the story? These, second part, are they which uh, likewise, which are grown on stony ground. So that's the second batch of people who when they have heard the word immediately receive the word with gladness. If you're around church people very much and new families coming and going and whatever, then you realize, oh, that's true. People will come in. They'll be so happy to be started with the word of God and with scripture and so on. All of a sudden they're deviating off somewhere else and they're going to some other group and they're going here, they're going there. And you think, oh my goodness, why don't they just put down roots? But it doesn't quite happen that way. Verse 17, and have no root in them. And so they endure for a time. Afterwards, when afflictions and persecutions arise for the, sa- for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Immediately? At least they could have taken a little while, but then they'd be fooling us, wouldn't they? So they actually immediately go off on their own and are, are offended at, at the group that they were with and they go elsewhere. Verse 18, And these are they which, have so, which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. He's explaining now about those that fell among thorns. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts or other things of other things, enter in, choke the word and become, and it becomes unfruitful. That's sad, isn't it? The word of God should not be fruitless or unfruitful. Um, The word of God should always blend and build and grow and multiply. Uh, But the cares of this life can choke out the people's knowledge of God's word. They don't get into the Bible. They don't read. They don't want to understand. They want other things. They got their games, whatever that is. Um, Whether it's race cars or, you know, basketball or whatever it is. Neighbors just went to hear their their daughter, granddaughter, yes, yesterday uh, with basketball teams. But it can draw them away from knowing God's word. If they never bother to read the Bible, they just go to all the games. It's sad, but that's that can be helpful. And then the word can be, the word was delivered right, the right kind of word, right? Came from Jesus Christ, but it became unfruitful, unused. Okay. Um, then verse twenty. And when are and these are they which are sown on good ground. Those are the last group that he talked about. So this is the last verse of this I'm going to be reading. So pay close attention. These are they are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive, receive it, and being for, uh, f- and bring forth fruit, 
some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. You never know when you're going to find the right person. It's like a music teacher teaching piano or teaching this instrument or that one. And along come one that's very bright. You really want that person to get it. And he becomes very highly esteemed in the music field. What about in the church work? Once in a while, there will be a come along a person that you'd never guess who he was or how he was, but he received the Word of God that was sown in his heart and he was hearing it and perceiving it. The Word. The Word of God. The Bible. He's receiving it. And he brings forth fruit or um, again, a, a, a proceeds of, of growth and uh, and um, product that he's going to produce something. And he does. And then it comes out that he, it might be 30-fold. That's fine. He's producing, right? It's like if I keep telling people, read the Bible, read the Bible. And then uh, you hear, well, they didn't make it for the whole year. They didn't make it every evening. and They didn't make it all the time. They didn't make it to the end. And I try to encourage them. You know how? Keep going. You're just on the two-year plan. Don't worry about it. Just keep going. <laughs> Some have a little more time available. It takes uh, only about 20 minutes a day. But uh, no problem in getting through the whole Bible in one year. But what if you don't have that 20 minutes or you don't get it every day in cares of this life? Some cares you can't stop from being there. You don't want to ignore this or you can't ignore that. Uh, so you have to just keep going. So you receive it happily and righteous, righteously and desiring and you'll bring forth maybe 30-fold. But that's fine. You're still producing. And what, boy, what if it happened to be 60? There's more responsibility comes with the more learning and the more product that you're producing. And what if it's 100-fold? Can you stand it? There's examples in the Bible where they said, you know, will you let my son sit on this side or that side? Have you when you come in your kingdom? And Jesus kind of said, um, can you fellows actually carry that load? Can you actually get along with what that requires? And if they could, fine. That's, that's okay, but we need to think ahead. Plan ahead is what I'm thinking here. Preparing. Now, there used to be a thing too where you, you'd get a new family coming to church, and you actually taught them in their home, and you took them step by step through salvation and baptism. You'd get them baptized. And not that you didn't take them to church. You got them fellowshipping, but you were also visiting in their homes. There's a lot of inter-home visiting and friends being church friends and doing things together, going places, doing things. And eventually, they would be part of the church group, and they would want to be baptized, they'd want to take care of music, they'd want to take care of um, children's classes or so on. Uh, all kinds of things were happening, but you had to prepare the ground first. They needed that. Later what they did was have high-priced preachers, get them to make a one-time commitment to God and never saw them again and the church never saw them either. The old joke of the preachers telling how they saved people and got them coming to church. And the one said, well, um, I did something that really worked. He said, I baptized them. They're mice. <laughs> he baptized the mice. 
and they never came back again. <laughs> no, that, you know, we don't want a failure type, planning in failure. No, that's not the way to do it. We need to build people that'll be carrying the gospel into the future. Okay. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, I think I've got it right here. Yep. Um, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to everyone that asketh you a reason for the hope which, which is in you with meekness and with fear. Do the whole thing with meekness and fear. But you need to teach the other people what it is, what's needed, what's, what's, uh, they need to carry with them. So that you learn the scriptures so that you can give an answer. That's hard to know enough about the scriptures that you can give somebody an answer of why things go the way they do or what's, what's wrong with the way it's going. You need to have an answer that every man would be able to do that. Every man and woman, every child could do that. With meekness and fear. When we are teaching somebody or they're giving an answer, the meekness and fear is important because otherwise it's just blown out of proportion and nobody's listening and nobody wants it. It has to be done with meekness and with fear. Okay. Uh, that's 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. And a lot of prayer. Uh, I really got hung up on these first couple of points knowing that prayer was going to be so important um, to accomplish God's work successfully requires a concern and a feeling of urgency in the need. You see other people losing their way and you know that they're going to go to the bad place when they die. Would they be one of those that are calling for the rocks to fall on them? Um, they didn't accept Christ. They didn't do it right in their life. Well, what's their end result? Can we save them from themselves? And that's, that's what we need, that challenge to to teach them right, to win them. Um, they rely, some people rely on their own sufficient power and fail. They're insufficient power. They're not using the Heavenly Father's power. They're not using the Holy Ghost. And that we need, the power of the spoken word of Jesus Christ and so on. To accomplish God's work successfully requires a concern we're not concerned for the loss, we'll just let them do their own thing. It's like parents say to their children, they, um, if they weren't loved, you wouldn't bother to tell them to come home at nine o'clock or whatever hours is appropriate. Because the parents don't care. If they do care and they love, they'll give guidelines. Because there is coming a day when the child has to stand on his own feet. And he will, if he's brought up right. Here's the preparing the ground, preparing the child to be an adult, preparing the child to be uh, a parent, to be married, and so on. There's quite a job there, a lot of preparing. Um, so if we go on, we need to be very prayerful over all of this because of the promises that are given to us and uh, of uh, God's work being led by power of prayer, power, power of prayer, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, let's see, I've got a couple of verses here. John 14, 16, and 26, and chapter 15, 26. So let's just do the 26, 26. 
from chapter 14. It should come up here easy enough. Oh, um, let me catch a couple more with the word prayer first and then I'll go into the next one. But I did look up the word prayer to see what I would find. And in Matthew 9:38, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, not of wheat, but of people, uh, and he will send forth labors into the harvest. And uh, Luke 10:2, it says there about prayer. Wherefore when he um, wherefore said he unto them, the harvest is truly is great. But the labors are few. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth labors into the field. That's a prayer we don't want to forget. We just need to be keeping praying for people that will carry the message into the next generation. In Luke 21 and verse 36, again on prayer, watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be counted worthy to escape all these things that shall come upon, come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Wow, now that's a prayer that we all need to pray that we'll be accurate, that we'll be accountable, that we'll be doing what's right and make proper decisions. And yeah, we need to re- really pray for ourselves and for our families and for others that are doing fighting the same battle that would be able to overcome and escape the things of bad stuff that are coming. Oh, we could read about the plagues and we could read about this and that and that and that. Um, it, it's going to come whether we know it or not. It's going to come. But are we prepared with prayer and with saving people that are out there and, and lost? Because one day the Son of Man is going to come and we're all going to stand before him. I like this verse too in John 9, verse 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, night cometh when no man can work. That has always been a challenge in my life to know that I need to get on with it, keep going, keep on with it, and uh, keep serving the Lord. Now I took you to John uh, John uh, fourteen twenty six. I've got it on here right now. So John fourteen twenty six. But the Comforter, when he pardon me, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever ye have said unto you, whatsoever I, Jesus, have said unto you. Jesus had, like if we read just the red letters of the Bible, that's quite a bit of what Jesus said, and yet we know that there's a whole lot. They said that if, if they wrote down everything that Jesus said, it would take them a number of books, a lot of books. So uh, we've got sufficient that we could read what Jesus said and, and grow on that. But this is the comforter of the Holy Ghost. So we want to ask the Holy Spirit into our life, the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, into our lives so that we can be used of the Heavenly Father And he will remind us of what we've read in the scripture or what we've heard through following along in the text and listening to the sound system giving you the scripture. That's okay. But the Holy Spirit can bring that back to you. 
If you don't put anything, you don't get anything out. Well, that's a computer program, isn't it? Nothing in, put in bad, and nothing good comes out. <laughs> it's got to be in the right order. <laughs> okay. So uh, we need to fill our minds and our heads with spiritual things, and then the Holy Spirit can remind us of those things. And also John 15, 26. So you got 14, 26 and 15, 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth. So the Holy Spirit is also referred to as the Holy, uh, the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. That's how you know if you got the right spirit. If you hear something that is toted as being spiritual and they don't teach Jesus, you got a problem. <laughs> the comforter should be coming and telling about Jesus, testifying about Jesus. And then if we have that power in us, because that's what I'm talking about right here now, uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, but ye shall receive power. Everybody wants power, wants authority and abilities and uh, all kinds of things come from the word power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses, not just for fun and games, it's for being a witness unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And then in Acts 3.12 follows with the word power. And when Peter saw, saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of, of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye, on, uh, look ye so earnestly on us as though uh, by our own power or holiness we have made this man to walk? Remember when they were at the temple? The man was begging because he couldn't walk, he couldn't stand up. And they gave him power. They gave him um, healing. And he said, don't look at us. We didn't do it. Blame it on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Blame it on the Heavenly Father. Blame it on Jesus. That's the one that caused this to happen. That this man can walk, that he can leap, that he can run. Uh, he's made whole, he's healed. Power was given from the Heavenly Father through them to the man that needed the, the healing. Okay, a little bit more here. Uh, so we're looking at planting and seeding and growing. Oh, the margin, that's where I, I stumbled around a little bit when I started reading the parable. Uh, there's a marginal reference to the seed, and it says uh, the seed basket. Ha ha! If we think a little deeper about that, the basket that he's using the seed from is the very best seed that he's got. That's what he's planting. You don't just take the general seed and throw it out there and hope it's going to grow. He's got the best seed, one that was protected through the winter, the best possible protection. He's using that kind of seed. Wow, neat. And we need that kind of seed in our lives as well. Then we won't fail. The seed is the word of God. It says in Luke 8, 11, just says the seed is the word of God. That's as plain as it gets, okay? That is the word of God. And that's what we need to be uh, giving away to others, sowing the seed, sowing the word of God. Um, we need to plant it faithfully and uh, with the assurance that the word 
In the Old Testament, in Isaiah 55, 11, it says, shall not return unto me void. If we sow the seed of God, the word of God, it will not return void. So that's a promise. We should hang on to that. Successful workers used God's word. We really need it. When we're reading and hearing and understanding, comprehending and letting it soak in and so on, we can speak with the Bible behind us. We can quote the Bible. Then it's not us speaking. It's God's word speaking. If we tell somebody that this is what God wants us to do, and quote a verse, that's got a power and authority behind it. Successful workers use the word of God. They memorize it. I know when I was young, that's what we had to do. Start with the uh, Psalms or start with the, the Beatitudes or, you know, and go on and memorize those verses. And they come back really handily uh, for us. So we need to memorize it so that we can speak it. Uh, the key text can be found and uh, disperse it generously. <laughs> disperse it, spreading the seed. Uh, trusting in God for the results. That's in Luke 8 and verse 15. Most Christians feel uh, uh, need to praise the Lord more. Uh, I know we, we talk about that a lot, that we're kind of poor in our praise to the Heavenly Father, and we need to be mindful of it and give praise to the Heavenly Father. Uh, we lose our blessings if we don't praise. When things happen, we need to praise God right away. Don't say, oh, I remember that at bedtime. You know what? You forget. And you're too tired and you fall asleep. And I put my pills and I put my uh, meds in my eyes and I lay back for a few minutes and I'm gone. <laughs> I forget to get up. <laughs> so we, we need to do it right away. If there's a praise on our minds, say it right away. And then uh, it's taken care of. Um, so we need to praise the Lord and make sure that we get it done uh, for his doing and for his will. He wants us to be, it's part of our, our commitment to the Heavenly Father to not lose our blessings, but that we remember to give praise and honor to the Heavenly Father for all the things that he does and things that, that he will do in the future. When we see God's work accomplished, we should praise him. I would add, add here now, immediately. <laughs> That's what Mark always says, immediately this and immediately that. Uh, praise immediately when we see a special blessing from God has happened. The psalmist said, his praise shall continually be in his mouth. That's in Psalms 34, verse 1. We need to know those things are available and that do it immediately. Then I thought about the, um, in the scripture it shows the Wave offering. You, you got your harvest in and you had to take so much of it and you had to wave it before God before you did anything more with it. Hey, you know, we ought to do that. We should be able to carry a special blessing that we've passed on to others and be able to carry it. And um, in Psalm 126 verse 6, part of that verse says, bringing his sheaves with him. Um, there used to be a song, Must I Meet My Savior So? Not one soul to greet him with. 
Oh, I mean, that hit me right in between the eyes. Is that how I'm going to meet Jesus with none with me? Or did I save somebody? Did I say something right? Did I do it right? (coughs) That was really something that always touched my heart. Uh, Did we do it right? And it's not about me. It's not, look at what I did. It's not about you, what you did. Even like a verse I read, um, Peter and and John when they were at the temple and they they had the the guy healed. And look what I did. No, that wasn't what he did. Uh, that wasn't it at all. He said that God gave God receives the glory. So we don't don't need to uh, as Christians want credit or honor to ourselves. I heard of people that were giving a, being given a lot of accolades and uh, they said, no, I'm, I receive it at the time that somebody says it. Yes, they, they got something out of it. If people say, my shoes pinched when I heard your sermon. <laughs> uh, I guess that's a good thing. But uh, it's not something to reach over and pat yourself on the back. You can't reach there anyway, right? And so that person that was in an authority on that, he said, I take it home. And at night when I say my evening prayers, I present it before Jesus. Present it before the Heavenly Father. Wow, that's right. It's not about me. You don't get there and say, Lord, did you see what I did today? I don't think that prayer is going to work very good, is it? (laughs) It's more of what God did through us. What we were trying to do. And thank God that somebody heard, somebody got the message. Right. That's what we're after. We must always give the glory and honor to the Heavenly Father. Jesus, uh, or Paul had said, Whatsoever ye do, do it all to the glory of God. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 31. If we are faithful in this life, that one always got to me too. Whenever I heard that story told, are you faithful? When you stand before the Lord, what's going to happen? And just just about ran the sister down on Wednesday night and I told her I wouldn't want her to come up to Jesus and say, well, how did you go? You know, he asked, how did you go? I was stomped to death by a pastor in the church hallway. <laughs> uh, we got to have more things to say to Jesus when we get there. And we want to have something to say that's valuable, saying thank you for working through me and and helping me to be there for those people in those situations and so on. That's what we need to be concerned about. Because then what we'll hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's in uh, Matthew 25, 21. I heard that many, many times when I was growing up. It was a concern as to whether we were serving the Lord to our best doing our best for the Lord. And it follows after that, when we present our sheaves to the Lord, when the grain grows and we harvest and we take the sheaves to Jesus, that'll be the glorious time. That'll be the happy time. I pray I've said something that will get you excited, get you going, and that it'll be a blessed Sabbath day for us. May God bless you.